0: Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian podcast service that seeks to encourage and equip Christians to engage and reform the culture of cinema. In this episode, Daniel and I talk about Dimitri Logothetis' jiu-jitsu. October saw the release of this wild martial arts trailer about Nicolas Cage teaching a warrior fighter how to fight an alien. That alone set Twitter aflame, and even Cinematic Doctrine's website saw increased traffic from our write-up on the website. Jiu-Jitsu looked crazy fun. People punching and kicking to stop an honorable alien warrior? Sign us up. And then we watched it, and boy, Daniel and I sure have some thoughts. We're no stranger to camp, let alone Nicolas Cage camp, but Jiu-Jitsu's overly serious and convoluted plotline leaves a lot to be desired. From the get-go, before we even get the chance to give you logistics, Daniel and I air out some grievances about the film with tangible confusion. Then, soon after, we jump right into decrypting the bizarre choices behind the filmmaking, from first-person martial arts to a camera acting like a fidget spinner. There's a lot going on in Jiu-Jitsu that was not expected. Afterwards, stick around for some fun trivia regarding Nicolas Cage's martial arts training, Dimitri Logothetis' run-in with Martin Scorsese, and how Jiu-Jitsu was based on a comic book. Sort of. Without further ado, here's our discussion on jujitsu. Why jujitsu, Melvin?
1: Why did you really want me on the show to talk about this? Well, because I knew it was something you were going to like.
0: <laughs> Even <laughs> well, if you didn't you like it, wrong. I knew it was something that you would like. <laughs> That's going to be one of the
1: frustrating things talking about it, is this definitely one of those movies that I really wanted to like more than I physically could, <laughs> because it's... I mean, not to completely spoil the whole episode up front, but... Which is a shame because it's like, I feel like the premise has a lot of potential as far as like an action movie goes. But, I mean, we'll get into that. So, I mean, what's the show been like while I've gone? Because I haven't listened to a
0: single second of the show (laughs) since I stopped being on it. Helping us with our metrics. Love it. Yeah. Well, you know, who wants to remember, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's been good. Um, Carter's been a good host. We've been having good balances back and forth and stuff. And then even um, we've been able to have a couple trailer talks that were pretty decent. I've heard some good feedback regarding our monthly movie news going really well. And I think that's also behind the scenes uh, listener. We don't just appear on show and just start talking. We do have a format and that format keeps evolving. Uh, Long time listeners would definitely know that because our show is very different than it used to be. And uh, our monthly movie news format, I think, has been really improved. And so I think just in general, you know, you taking a break has done nothing but help our show. So, you know, now that you're coming back, I'm just a little worried. That's all. (laughs) But, you know, it's in God's hands. it's usually how it goes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And what a time to come back, right? jiu man. This is not even Mank. Mank came out the same day. <laughs> oh, did it? What are we doing? I think, <laughs> <I> think <laughs> Mank literally dropped yesterday. There was something else that came out yesterday that I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. And it was like something else that was like a November 20 release that was going to be good. I can't remember what it was.
1: Yesterday was the day for just nonsense news where they announced they announced doing Black Panther 2 in 2021 that early wow seems a little little soon um geez but yeah i know usually how it goes is the minute i get out of the way things usually improve that's something i've learned in my life is once the hindrance is gone once the once the weak link has been removed things improve
0: or even like a blister you show up after the work's done yeah so it's like All the hard stuff has happened in the last two months and two or three months. And then you're like, hey, guys, how's it going? I'm ready to work again. (laughs) We're over here sweating and bleeding. What's the new
1: format? (laughs) Is the new format kind of what we were talking about before I left? We
0: just have a I think we have a the, the episode titles and show notes are mostly the same. But there's a much stricter byline behind the scenes in formatting how we go into a discussion. So listener, you might recall, and you may not have not- noticed it directly, but your brain noticed it, that <laughs> our last two uh, movie news is we would basically say like, all right, we're going to talk about theaters. And then we were like, we need to think of topics and dis- discussion topics and news stories that kind of go in line with theaters. Okay. And then okay. the next movie news, so the last one we just did was we talked about theaters and then transitioning to streaming because ultimately that topic was more about distribution. And so then the upcoming movie news, who knows what it'll be, but it'll probably be something regarding streaming specifically because there's been a lot of... Well, 2020 has got, garnered a lot of interesting streaming information, even including jujitsu right. itself. I mean, there's a lot of movies that are being watched now. Maybe not jujitsu because metrics don't look very good, but there's a lot of movies that are getting scene because they're going straight to PVOD and everyone has voodoo and everyone has prime and everyone has this. So it's like, why not? You know, I'd like freaky was a movie that probably wouldn't get a lot of in freaky was the Vince Vaughn movie, the serial killer Vince Vaughn movie where daggers made some switch bodies with a teenage girl. And that movie, the premise alone is awesome. I'm like, all right, I yes, see that. I really want to see that. Yeah. But like, I think it's getting more, attention because it's a PVOD film where like for six bucks, you can just rent it and watch it and invite your friends over. Or maybe not now because COVID two is back. COVID two electric boogaloo, uh, the reckoning, the squeak wall. So it's, it's no one's going over, but that might be our byline moving forward for the next one. And so I don't know if, yeah, your brain noticed it is what I'm saying. And so I think that that's, that's helped help the show. Uh, But let's see how jujitsu handles with our format for movie discussions, because (laughs) <laughs> this uh, Do we even care about the fact that we don't talk spoilers in the beginning? Like, it doesn't really... Oh, we can't talk There's about like... that time he punched the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> there is...
1: So, first off, up front, I'm just going to admit this up front. I use the phrase up front too many times. But, like, just to, to really get this out of the way right
0: now. Before we give details on even this film, we haven't even told you what this film's about.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I just want to say... I want to preemptively apologize to listeners and you, Melvin, because I really had trouble following this movie. And it's not because it's like a complicated movie, which is what's really frustrating is that if you were to sit down and write out the plot, it is really simple, but the way it's conveyed is so confusing to me that I really, (laughs) I worry that, In my head, there's only one thing to spoil, really, as far as the movie goes. Yes. But I'm worried there's a bunch of other details that I just don't understand. As far as my triumphant return to the show, I'm worried this is not just a bad movie to come back on. This is going to be a bad performance because I just don't remember. I started taking notes during this movie, which I never do. I never have to do that. Ready to have a pretty good memory as far as like plot and characters and just like what happens and themes. This movie, I like pulled out my phone. I was like writing down, like, okay, character said this, which means this, <laughs> and so I was just like trying to put the pieces together because there's a ton of exposition for the first half of this movie, repeated over and over again. It's like the same exposition over and over again. And I literally was. And then being, it like, turns
0: into a different movie. Yes, and I was just like,
1: <laughs> Am I just rem- misremembering details? Uh, did this conversation already happen? So. Up front, we're probably gonna spoil this movie but i'm guessing on if accident on accident and on <laughs> yeah. purpose because there's one really important thing that we just have to talk about at some point in the movie but like i'm guessing if you were like nick cage's jujitsu yes you're not somebody who's gonna be overly concerned about like anything other than punching and kicking and some weird performances so I'm comfortable with that for this episode. If you are Melvin,
0: we're gonna try our best to stick to a format. we'll try our best one. to not. This is the do movie that, that but... broke the format. Just like somebody <laughs> punching a block of wood, this has broken it. So Daniel, why don't you get us started? Who directed this? Is, wrote this, starring all that jazz. It doesn't even really matter, <laughs> but we should do pay our respects. Press F to <laughs> pay, pay our, respects. Fair respects. To the (laughs) wonderful
1: artists who made this movie. So, Jiu Jitsu is directed by Dimitri Logothetis. Apologies to his name. It's written by him and Jim McGrath. Uh, They also wrote the comic together, but I get the impression that they wrote a comic so they can make a movie off of it. And it wasn't, they decided to make a great comic into a movie. Uh, This movie stars Nicolas Cage, who you may know from YouTube compilations, as well as National Treasure, Con Air, Spider Man to the Spider Verse, Kiss of the Vampire bunch of really great films. Alan Mousy is the actual lead of this film, and he is most notable from the Kickboxer remake films, as well as, I believe, some recent Street Fighter films. Uh, Frank Grillo, who you may know as Crossbones in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as well as the lead in some of the recent Purge movies in this, Hmm. alongside Tony Jaa. From Furious 7, the Ong Bak series, the upcoming Monster Hunter movie, which I keep forgetting is going to be made.
0: And is still technically going into theaters, it's if you didn't know. It's Christmas Day, <laughs> apparently. So It's weird. Imagine it's Christmas, and rather than stay home for the pandemic, you decide to risk your life to see Monster Hunter. Or rather, you risk your life to see Monster Hunter instead of Wonder Woman. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Even though you could just stay home and watch Wonder Woman. For free on HBO Max. <laughs> which, by the way, I, if everybody who listened to that last monthly movie news. I called that. I said they are going to put it on streaming and the data they're going to look for is who talks about Soul or Wonder Woman on Twitter and which one gets more attention. I called it. This is this is the way of the future. Mister, we need to stick to the format, interrupting to brag about a prediction he made.
1: Of during... course. <laughs> Just calling it. I did a poll on our Twitter and... A majority of people said that they would subscribe to HBO Max to see Wonder Woman. But it was actually surprisingly narrow. A lot of people said they go to theater, to see it. So we'll see. But uh, this movie also has Juju Chan. Who you may know from Crash Tiger, Hidden Dragons, or of destiny. A lot of Hong Kong films. Uh, Marie oh, Avgeropoulos, <laughs> Uh Maria
0: Av, Avgaropoulos, Avgaropoulos, yeah. Um
1: who is actually in the Percy Jackson film. Sorry. No, it's okay. She's in The 100, I also believe. And Rick Yoon, who is in Elite Battle Angel, Olympus Has Fallen. Uh, So this movie has a surprisingly dense cast as far as name actors. It also has Crab Man from My Name is Earl, who is not listed on Wikipedia or in most press releases, but he's actually in a ton of this movie. Plot synopsis, every six years, an ancient order of jujitsu fighters joins forces to battle a vicious race of alien invaders called the Brax. But when a celebrated war hero goes down in defeat, the fate of the planet and mankind hangs in the balance. So that's, of course, the synopsis that they that give you. synopsis. <laughs> and I'm just going to Amelia front before we get into anything else. None of them do jujitsu. One guy does jujitsu, hey, but continue. Hey, there's,
0: there's like two or three scenes where they do jujitsu. I wrote
1: down every single instance of jujitsu in the movie because I'm a weirdo. There was like three scenes. Yes. I think there were three does... scenes
0: for like three <laughs> seconds in total yes, runtime. It's
1: under 30 seconds of jujitsu in this movie.
0: And one of them is a guy who is part of the Gracie family. So that was weird. It would have been cool to see more, um, but oh, well, because jujitsu is tense. Anyways, it is very tense. So our MPA rating for this film is rated R for violence throughout, which is not (laughs) a surprise. (laughs) Um, But uh, for content awareness, you just have constant fighting. Again, no surprise. There's some gore regarding some injuries. Uh one scene at the end is fairly graphic, I guess, but even just sort of the nonchalant way I describe it, it's like it's not really particularly vile, but the rated art I think fits. There's some lingering violence in terms of the camera sort of focuses on people there's like one scene where a character is dying, but it's like, they've already died. And then like the alien like kills them again. And then like kills (laughs) them again. And at some point it's like, this doesn't feel appropriate. Like this feels a little too ogling of somebody getting killed, which was really strange. Yeah. So uh, that, that, typically can make me uncomfortable in a movie if it even if it's not smart enough to do that if does that i don't know if that makes sense to people listening they're like well then how is it smart enough to just like kill over over and over uh but it is possible um and then there's like topless men but you expected that when you're watching a karate film where people (laughs) are like punching and kicking so yeah um but that's still something to be aware of
1: i will say though i'm not sure if it's necessarily the scene keeps going as much as this the movie sometimes i don't know if they want to pad the runtime we'll just have like replays of things so there would be moments where like somebody would get hit, and then they would just cut to a different cut of that same person getting hit the same way again. Yeah. Which so some scenes happen more than once because they're playing them over and over again.
0: And some scenes could have just been cut from the movie, <laughs> but <laughs> oh well, did not have to be an hour and forty minutes. <laughs> no.
1: this could have been a YouTube short, but we'll get into that. But yeah, so if you like what you've heard so far, or you like previous episodes, please leave a review on iTunes, PodChaser, or wherever you listen. Follow our social media, including our Facebook page. We're on Twitter at... cinedoctrine At Cine Doctrine. C-I-N-E-D-O-C-T-R-I-N-E. We are almost at 100 Twitter followers. The 100th Twitter follower gets something special, I promise. Cute. We're also Instagram. It's, I'm not saying what it is, but it'll be special. And join our Facebook group titled Cinematic Doctrine Group. If you're joining from the podcast, please just let us know. That's where you found out about us. Also check out our other shows under the same feed, Trailer Talk and Monthly Movie News our movie culture content in general also check out our website cinematic where in addition to episodes you also have written content including essays from melvin as well as other contributors also support us on patreon for as low as just three dollars a month you gain access to exclusive voting privileges for movies we review in the future and discuss you also get our exclusive show the pre-show which is like a free form movie conversation about christianity as well and sometimes just catching up with me with melvin uh so i think that covers it do we have any other projects in the in the the
0: fire look forward to something on quibi because i'm trying to binge quibi stuff before it dies so. you should do like a multi-episode series just reviewing everything that's on quibi i have some ideas i have a lot of really interesting ideas i think it'll especially be interesting to talk about quibi shows to somebody who doesn't know anything about <laughs> quibi or the shows so look look forward to something my my brain's turning the best follow episode would be if you announced that you're the guy who bought <laughs> quibi's back library <laughs> open up a paypal please
1: support this paypal buying quibi i really i really hope you i really hope you buy it that's a stupid sentence it'd be great if you buy or someone other than like some like weird sketchy like group that just buys content you know what i mean (laughs) yeah
0: yeah yeah just to distribute it yeah
1: or even disney or somebody who at least would like put it on something that we would have
0: youtube yeah
1: so yeah, so Melvin, what are your general thoughts on 2020's best film, Jiu-Jitsu?
0: Oh man, this this movie. I I think the thing that made this the most enjoyable is that. Uh, so I I hate the I hate the fish out of water trope. I hate really? the amnesiac trope.
1: Really? Well, I hate amnesiac. But...
0: I really don't like those tropes. And the reason I hate it is typically it's used for writers and directors to exploit women. They have like this fish out of water idea and then they're like, oh, what's a T-shirt? And then they're just like busty and you're like, this is so dumb. Yeah, that's a great use of spending money to ask an actor to to do that while you're filming them. That's not immoral. And uh, they not only can do that, but even in like, so one of the reasons I hate watching anime is it's used so much and it does the exact same thing. Okay. It's, very, it's very frustrating. <laughs> but i liked this movie because they did that trope but with a really big buff guy and then they didn't exploit him he just looks around and doesn't do anything the whole movie there's no emotions he just there are so many cuts where like somebody does something and then they give him a reaction shot and like he just looks like he's driving <laughs> like you know like people who drive are expressionless and that's exactly what he looked like <laughs> so uh, it's
1: so good. So at first I was confused <laughs> about your comment about fish out of water. Cause I was like, I don't remember that in Thor, the first movie or whatever, or the like King and uh, Connecticut Yankee King Arthur's court. Then I was like, Oh yeah. An anime that is definitely a constant trope as far as portal fans yeah. and fish
0: out of water. They'll use fish out of water stuff yeah. just to do sexual stuff because they're like, if they're fish out of waters, they can, they can shoot lasers from their eyes and they're professional Taekwondo fighters but they just can't pick out the right clothing. Ah, yeah. oh, shame.
1: <laughs> Not in
0: Inuyasha,
1: Rising of Shield Hero, or The Devil is a Part-Timer, aka one of the funniest, cutest shows ever. But it's actually, uh, I was recently reading a discussion in a fantasy board where a lot of people hate the fish out of water water fan- uh, portal fantasy trope as well, but more because they feel that it's a, it's a cheap shortcut for world building exposition where you don't have to like really design a whole world. You just have to write enough stuff for your protagonist to absorb. So you don't have to bother with establishing a world. You can just take a character, uh, audience insert character, have them there. So it's a, an easy person for people just to shout information at. Right. We're like, don't you know the King is blah, 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 and recursive, blah, blah. And then also like, you don't really have to worry about the backstory of the world where you can just have little bits of pieces for the character to learn. And so as some person, one person point out, it's like, that's completely unnecessary. Like, if you really want to, you could just have a fantasy story in this world without bothering with this uh, audience point of view character in the first place. You can you can even do the same chosen hero trope. Yeah. But to reveal my hand a little bit here. Why did this character have amnesia? I did not understand the entire movie.
0: I was like, where did this guy come yeah, from? Yeah, like that character. He starts the film. So the lead character starts the film like having hit his head and then he has amnesia. But then like you already know the premise of the movie, which is like they have to fight this creature. And so the first 30, 40 minutes are like him learning, like, I have to go fight this creature. So he's not even a, an effective <laughs> audience stand in because we know more than he does immediately. <laughs> it's, it's it doesn't make any sense. Bizarre. So, yeah,
1: the premise. of the So we we begin with a movie with our character currently unnamed. His name's the actor's Alan Mousy who is best known, he's actually the, he plays Batman. I don't know if you know this about him, but in the DC uh, live action show Titans, which that is an episode for another day. We really need to talk about that show sometime because it's very weird. They don't have Batman in the show because DC is really weird about who gets to have Batman, but Bruce Wayne is in the show. And when they have flashbacks to when he's Batman, they have this guy in the bat suit, but they don't show his face doing all the Batman things. Which is a great use for him because as far as facial expressions and actual acting goes, (laughs) Mr. Moosey, Alan Moosey, Mousy is not great at it. But he he wakes up being rescued by a fisherman and people then he gets taken to a military base for reasons I still don't understand. And then where he's then interrogated, like, who are you? What are you doing? And he doesn't know. But the people interrogating him also don't explain. So they're entirely pointless scenes where he's just being yelled at. And then from there, the movie kind of gets going when Tony Josh is to rescue him. And so, but like, so the first half of the movie is completely pointless where you just don't learn any information. Neither does the character. And it's just, it's just bad. So I don't know if we've gone too far off the rails here, but, but overall, did you like the movie?
0: (laughs) No, I didn't. I, I really was just like kind of bored with it. And at some point I think I enjoyed it, even though it was bizarre for the first half, (laughs) because I was like. I mean, what am I expecting? You know, I came here to watch people fight and kick, and I think that's pretty neat. But even then, I didn't <laughs> find neat. that it was, like, shot well. Yeah, right? I just think they're neat. Um, <laughs> I I, uh, I didn't think it was shot well enough for me to enjoy a lot of the fighting. And at some point, when it when it never really improved, it became a bit tiresome and cumbersome, where I was like, I should just put on the raid if I want to watch this happen. And then at some point, during the last 10 minutes of the movie, I was incapable of actually watching the movie. Like my mind kept going to other subjects. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm not even thinking about the movie. And I just missed like what was happening. And I knew it was only punching and kicking. So I'm not missing like dialogue or important plot world based Like I'm not learning like the theme or message of the movie here, but I don't know what happened. So I was like, I want to focus and just at least like (laughs) give it its fair share. I'm almost done. I know that this is like the final fight. Let me enjoy it. But then my brain immediately jumped to something else. And so I was trying, trying to focus on the movie, but I was just so inundated with all these punches and kick it, kicking and like wishing noises and to the point where my, my body was just forcing me to say, stop. It was like the equivalent of like, if you went running for a really long time, your body stops being capable of running, but you might try and push yourself. And so now you're at that mental stage of fighting your body to to keep going. That's what this movie turned into. Never experienced that before. And it was bad because it was boring. And I was like, I'm not even going to get rewarded for persevering here. So I, I don't like sounding mean when I'm talking about not liking something, but like, I don't know how else to describe what this movie turned into for me and that's what it turned into it was really strange so like i I don't even know like how to describe like i enjoyed that it looked like people were having fun (laughs) that's what this looked like was people just having fun doing their martial arts but in costumes and being filmed doing it and i think that's exciting it looked like nick cage is having fun i don't know if everyone else had fun who knows yeah, Nick Cage just loves being in movies, so I I know that he was having a good time, but that was it. So no, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah,
1: I had a similar experience with the movie. So I, if you've listened to any episode I've ever been on, I have long stated my love for martial arts, and I love action movies, and I love movies with lots of martial arts fighting. So in that regard, the movie is okay. Like there isn't, re- there's movies like this. There's the saving grace of a movie with almost non-existent plot. Can be if it's used effectively as a framework for action scenes,
0: or even like visuals, because there are some oh, movies yeah, cool that visuals. are just like straight visuals, and people are like, "There's nothing to this. There's no substance." And it's like the visuals are the substance. And right. so, like in this movie, at the end of the day, I would have been comfortable stepping away, going, "The martial arts is the substance." Like that. If Joaquin Phoenix can have a vehicle to just perform in a movie and get an Oscar for it, then. I don't know why I can't have a vehicle of a movie that's just straight martial arts the whole time. So I'm totally fine with that. But then, like, it needs to succeed as a vehicle. It needs to have tread on its tires. It's got to have gas in there or else it's not going anywhere. And I'm going to be tired for an hour and 48 minutes. And yeah, that's where it kind of landed.
1: This is part of why I think there needs to be. I think there should be an Oscar for stunts. And I also think there should be some sort of reward like Oscar for fire choreography that sort of thing. Cause it's a deceptively difficult art to pull off. Like if you've ever watched the behind the scenes for really great martial arts films, you'll see there's a lot of love and care put into like really tightly choreographing and planning out these scenes. Yeah. Or even some of the old Hong Kong movies where the opposite where they didn't have a lot of time to plan out fight scenes. So they just had to really get them done like quickly. And in one like as few takes as possible, which caused for some really awesome uh, stuff to be done. So like take take just like the raid for example the actual plot of that movie really simple and actually kind of is is underrated in how nonsensical it kind of is where like I don't know if you ever see I don't know if anyone listening to this has ever seen the raid but there's like plot twists in that movie that come out of nowhere yeah but it doesn't matter because you're so captivated by what you're seeing on screen that you don't notice but in this it the fight scenes are just okay like. And they're very samey and every attempt to try and spice them
0: up is actually kind of a terrible idea. Like, do you remember when they they show a scene that is sort of like when the alien show like first appeared? And for some reason, the cameraman decided I'm going to (laughs) put I'm going to put my uh, camera on a yo-yo and it's going to do a lot of spinning and moving (laughs) up and down. And I was like, I I can't look at the screen anymore. (laughs) This is going to make me. sick. Yes, I did not understand that at all like was was it bec- like was it some sort of like artistic choice because the portal looked like circles and so they're like let's make the camera do circles but it's like i don't want to do circles because i'm gonna throw up there are multiple
1: strange decisions as far as what to do with camera in this movie there's yeah the first predator scene where everyone's getting shot at by the alien where it suddenly just focus hyper focuses on different characters faces as they scream which was just nauseating
0: right and so there's like they're wearing harnesses that hold the camera and i'm pretty sure there's one scene where the one character i'm scrolling up to get her name and i'm not going to get it right marie <laughs> avgaropoulos uh i'm so sorry honey if you listening to this and i'm getting your name wrong <laughs> but it's like there's a the the last shot of this like harness scene, she has her arms tucked in really tight, but she's supposed to be running. And I'm like, oh no, is the harness like falling off? Like she's now having to perform (laughs) while holding the harness, but like has to do it discreetly. And like, what was the point of that? It doesn't, I don't know
1: why, (laughs) why in the first, there's, there's a really great action scene early on. The first time you see Tony Jaa, who. I, I you know, he does he gets a little he gets enough time to shine. I obviously we'll always want more of him in movies, but he's this great Muay Thai fighter who also does great, like kind of a lot of American directors when they don't know what to do with this guy, for some reason they turn him into like a parkour guy, which I never quite understand, where he does just a lot of running around and doing flips. But he does some of that. But then he rescues Alan Mousey from the from the military guys, and for parts of the scene they switch to first person view? Which is But then sometimes they don't. But sometimes it's not. And I don't like first off, first person martial arts is a stupid idea. Because it looks like it looks like you just see two arms coming from the sides of the camera (laughs) and it looks bad.
0: And it's gotta be a really wide lens if you want
1: to even try it. And it's it hardcore Henry had the good sense to focus on him shooting guns because that looked a lot better in first person than punching and kicking. But then, yeah, sometimes the camera will just stop moving and then he'll move in front of the camera. So I don't
0: know what they're trying to accomplish. And it stays the same aspect ratio. It's like one, two. So it's super wide. So if he's punching, like his arms aren't even in frame anyway. And I was like, why didn't they just like artistically quote unquote, switch to another like a bigger aspect ratio so i could see more and it was just yeah, yeah. Man, i there's a lot of choices in this movie that are <laughs> that confound me i don't understand if you're a fan of if you're just an action movie fan
1: if you're just somebody who likes watching people fight and you like some good fight choreography um this is one of those movies where your best bet is just to go on youtube and type in jujitsu best fights, <laughs> and watch the fifteen to twenty minutes that someone will post where they just super cut all the best scenes in the movie.
0: Rather, you search that and you find an actual jujitsu fight, and you're like, "Hey, that's actually more entertaining
1: <laughs> than the right. scene in the movie." I, I'll just get this out of the way. So, I'm sure people are like, in several different people point this out. Or there is an actual jujitsu in this movie. In this movie, the jujitsu is the name of the person who will fight this alien creature called Brax. Um, or if the, I don't know if it's the name of the race of aliens or if that's just his name, they just call him Brax. Um, so it's not a, a term for a type of martial art they do in the movie. It's just a it's like a chosen one kind of thing, if I'm understanding correctly. Which is weird because there's multiple different other martial arts disciplines on display. You have Muay Thai, you have karate, you have excrema um, everything but Jujitsu, pretty much. Um, and so if it sounds like we're kind of jumping around a lot, it's because they're really. The plot is in two parts. There is this first 40 minute chunk of the movie where you don't know what's happening. You don't know why anyone's around (laughs) in order. What happens is our main character is washed up and found. He gets interrogated by military characters who are like, who are you? What are you doing? And they have some great expositiony lines like, as you know, there's lots of uranium up there. You know, things like that. Yeah. Um, he gets rescued by Tony Jaa, where he gets taken. All these different people are like, don't you remember Jake? They say the name Jake like 15 times a row, which is really funny. It's a
0: very white person name.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another action scene breaks out with military guys. He gets taken back to the military base and put in the same chair or he's once again getting interrogated. The chair
0: that was destroyed. Yes, remember there's a fighting scene where like the chair is obliterated by <laughs> he people getting thrown into the guy through it. the chair, and then yeah, he's back in like that chair. Like two, like two dudes, <laughs> and then yeah, that's just back to normal. <laughs> and then, then there's another scene
1: where then all the military guys are getting predatored. Where the the Brack shows up and fights everyone, and then he, a bunch of then everyone runs away, and then you finally meet Nicolas Cage. Thirty nine minutes into the movie, I clocked it. And then he tells them, like, you're going to do some important stuff. And then they get together and then they all these other characters meet up. And then the movie starts because they finally explain what the plot of the movie is, which is this guy needs to fight nine warriors. And then if he doesn't, he'll destroy the world or he'll kill you. So you need to fight him. If you don't fight him, he'll destroy the world because he just really likes to fight. (laughs) Did you under? Okay, can you explain to me what the premise <laughs> of this movie is? Because my understanding is Brax is a creature, and they like to come to Earth to fight the best warriors, which is hilarious because these are not the best warriors. <laughs> these are just nine people that agreed to be in this movie, and so they roughly gave them approximations of different fighting styles. Like Frank Grillo is barely in the movie, but he fights with knives. You get a guy with a bow staff who. Is an actual like, kickboxing champion, I think. And so he fights them because he w- likes to fight people. And then if he beats them, he just leaves and comes
0: back. It's running on Dragon Ball logic where like Cell has the <laughs> Cell Games where it's like I'm going to come here and I'm going to destroy the whole world but if you can send your best fighters we'll fight each other. And by the way, I'll go make the the fighting ring which Cell literally does. He just finds <laughs> like a field and then creates a ring and then they do the Cell Games. But the thing is it doesn't have the charisma of Dragon Ball where no. Like no. Cell is a really fun character because he's kind of terrifying and then even like all of your z fighters from goku down to like man even mr satan are just like so fun what he's not even called mr satan in the u.s they changed his name because they're like that's too that's too demonic you can't have a kid show the character named mr satan the irony too is that he's called mr satan and he's a massive capitalist so i think like i mean akira toriyama is hilariously on the nose even when he's like doing it for the wrong reasons because because Mr. Popo is absolutely a racist character <laughs> in that in that series. There's <laughs> no getting around that. There's no getting there was around There's just that. no way to to avoid that. Um and so obviously him being like Japanese and therefore not liking the US makes total sense that the character named mr satan is a capitalist and also a loser but all of those characters are very fun so that's why the cell games are exciting that's why the premise of someone who wants to destroy the world who came from the future (laughs) creating a ring and saying i'll just fight random people first and then kill you works yeah but like this doesn't have any character the alien is cool until it shows like his face kind of for some reason he looks like the guy in tron I couldn't get past it. He looks it's like putty the giant man. Thing Tron. Yeah. It's they're putty man. <laughs> so it's just weird. Um, and uh so there's just like choices that just strip the charisma away because this movie is played really seriously for some reason. Which is so strange.
1: Yeah. So this premise, like I said, it could be a great frame to hang an action movie on where you could get a distinct villain who for some reason is alien race is really good at martial arts except when he doesn't care about honor and just shoots shurikens out of his like gauntlets like that's the thing i didn't understand like he's a he's an alien that cares about honor and fighting until he decides just to shoot everyone
0: he shoots people he has shuriken he has armor that heals him i was like if he wants to do like an honorable fight why is he wearing like an iron man suit what's yeah. going on <laughs> I mean, at least like in Dragon Ball, all of the villains have the decency to just fight hand to hand and then shoot lasers, I guess, from their hands. But still, like, it just doesn't make any
1: sense. Just like a, the true ending of this movie would have been, and this is not what they do, where like at the end, the main character earns the guy's respect. So the alien takes off his armor and decides to have like a true mono mano combat thing, which they don't do in this movie. They do something different. But like the tr- the best version of this movie Would have been kind of similar to the. Do you see the movie Predators, which is the third Predator movie? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's pretty decent.
1: This movie really reminded me of that, like a lot. Yeah. And Predators, they have all the characters are very distinct. They all have very specific skills, all very different, like backstories and motivations. And the Predator just wants to test himself in combat. So you don't have this convoluted, aliens want to destroy the world story. Yeah. There's not deep lore. It's just the Predators brought them here because they just want to fight them to train. And then you get like they even do this same kendo scene from Predators with Nicolas Cage in this movie, but in like so you could have had a movie where you have different characters with decidedly different fighting styles or skills, and you get like a game of death style gauntlet where like they all each fight the alien, and then you have a different scene. You could do different things with the cinematography, the music, the choreography. You could have had if you just had like a series of all decent fight scenes that are all unique and fun. And then like the main character could like see his friends getting killed and he that gives him the courage to fight back. Maybe he has to learn to be not be a coward, but to stand up to the alien. And the end of the movie could be him avenging his friend's deaths, defending the world. And he learns and he gains the aliens respect by like being the best fighter that Earth has to offer. The problem is, a, you need to hire an actual great cast of people to do that, which they only got three or four good actors in it, and b, that takes a lot of work, and they don't have time to choreograph nine different action scenes with distinct styles. They just do the kind of the same action scene over and over again, um, and instead they paradoxically, and if you can see right now, I'm just like crushing my face with my hands because I'm trying to understand. It's just they somehow make the plot really complicated despite there not being a lot of plot to complicate.
0: Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it probably would have been improved if like he never had amnesia and the whole film was sort of (laughs) building up to like, this fight's going to happen and it's going to be hard because then they they could build tension <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> wow. that's yeah it's right. that's not how it works um but like i don't think it's wrong to like we've already name dropped the raid so i don't mind name dropping john wick but like john wick works because they build tension for john wick of like this is a guy this is the boogeyman you don't You don't kill John Wick's dog because he's a guy who we're glad retired because he was so frightening. Um, And so then when it gets to the point that he's killing people in the film for the sake of avenging his dog, of which everybody wishes they could do if somebody kills your dog. Like right. you're actually kind of terrified of John Wick. Like I remember watching yeah. it the, the last time I watched it, I was like, this is a horror movie where you're watching the <laughs> villain kill people. <laughs> like, John Wick is the bad guy, even though he's doing like, not like, I mean, not the right thing, but nobody's watching <laughs> John Wick for more. <laughs> but like the way they handle it is like, he's petrifying and they build it up and then they let him loose and so, like, when he's in the nightclub, you're like, this is the most terrifying thriller movie I've ever seen. And they just don't do that with this movie. And they have to play catch up because they gave their lead actor amnesia when he could have been just building up to, like, the the very real cowardice anyone would have when you're building up a villain. Right. They didn't. I don't know. It's very, it's very frustrating. So. All yeah. that to say is, like, there is one spoiler in this movie that we want, we think <laughs> that, well, it's just entertaining to get into. So, so you, you, you're,
1: so your, your overall early thoughts are just a flat negative, essentially. Yeah.
0: It's, it's not really worth watching. You'll have more okay. fun just picking up something off YouTube.
1: The, the mild seal of approval I'll give is if, if you want to, like, get this movie, if you can get it real cheap and then just fast forward through every scene that doesn't involve fighting. That's the only way to enjoy it. or scenes with Nick Cage in them. But like, it's like 70 minutes. Of this movie is terrible. So I'll leave it at that. But first bit of trivia. So obviously this movie is filled with a lot of real life martial artists. However, one that you might not expect is a real life martial artist is actually Nicholas Cage himself, who is a black belt in jujitsu um, trained under Hoist Gracie, who is obviously one of the members of the legendary Gracie family, uh, who is the UFC one, two and four champion. Uh Libanithis in an interview with Inverse is quoted saying that because of Nicolas Cage's previous martial arts knowledge, uh Cage likely did about 80% of his stunts, a double as used place where Cage would be at risk of injury, which makes sense because that's an insurance
0: thing. And he is a lot I mean, he he's probably the oldest actor in the film. Yeah, he's and he's he still has that Mandy weight too. Yeah. Because he uh so it's not like he could do a whole lot, but he's a i mean he, no one's going to complain that he's not a physical actor he's very physical so no. it makes total sense that that he did a lot of his stuff that
1: actually answers one of my questions i was curious as to how much of this movie was done with the stunt double for nicholas
0: cage because there are a lot of scenes where they like zoom out and you don't see his face yeah he yeah. has long hair and you're almost like is that because then they could have a stunt double come in yeah so. which stands out in this movie because i'll as much as we criticize this movie a lot of the action scenes it
1: clearly is the actors doing it because they try and shoot it more up close yeah sometimes it's too much of that shaky cam stuff that i hate but yeah but yeah just for for those who don't know like learning brazilian jiu-jitsu under
0: hoist gracie is a huge deal yeah good for nick cage i'm impressed so up next we have for first person action sequences within jiu-jitsu which of as we stated, don't necessarily get handled well, but you would suspect that they were shot with like a GoPro or something, some sort of small camera would be used, but the team actually used uh, what they called stripped down Aeroflex cameras. So this brought its own difficulties as performers still needed to complete their tasks, despite the additional 16 pounds that they carried. It probably explains (laughs) why maybe they were comfortable keeping the resolution the same and not, uh showing their arms because they probably couldn't move very much holding this camera yeah i
1: really strange choice from an interview with director dimitri logothetis on action reloaded dimitri shared his martial arts background he has two black belts one in tank sudo another in kempo karate uh for tank sudo we train under two-time world champion kickboxer howard jacks and for kempo we train under founder under the founder of kempo master ed parker who occasionally trains celebrities um at three cages, Jamaican Logothet is trained alongside Elvis Presley, which is a weirdly common thing where like a lot of Hollywood actors, specifically in the 60s and 70s, decided that karate was a thing to do. Like, what's his name? Doug uh, Dillman trained like Muhammad Ali karate. George Dillman. George Dillman trained Muhammad Ali in karate, even though George Dillman it's unknown if he actually has any martial arts ability of any kind
0: it would be cool though if actors started going back to doing karate in their spare time instead of collecting like spirit stones and incense but nowadays (laughs) i guess that's just where things are headed well like jonah hill is
1: training in brazilian jiu-jitsu um a couple other people like brazilian jiu-jitsu is catching on because it's like it's good exercise and it's legitimately good self-defense martial art so that's like weirdly catching on for whatever reason. So.
0: why aren't, why should, aren't actors learning drunken jujitsu? What was it? Drunken, um, Drun- the thing Jackie Chan made. <laughs> do you know that one master? Yeah. Yeah. Where like, you're never actually drunk, but you, you move your body in a way that's drunken. And yeah. It, it like disorients your, <laughs> your opponent because they're like, I don't know what the heck he's going to do. <laughs> well, like the shame, the
1: shame with the rise of mixed martial arts is it demystified the martial arts. Or for years, like martial arts was seen this like mystical secret knowledge or people are claiming like they could do a dim mock. They could do no touch knockouts or they could do one punch like knockouts and stuff or like or you can make someone's heart explode by touching them the right way, you know? And then with the rise of like actual competitive fighting, people realized, oh, none of that works. Like none <laughs> of this, that you can't do that. You can't touch someone on the forehead and they'll fall backwards. There's no chi. There's no like, you know, a lot of stuff like Steven Seagal's martial art, Akido, is basically completely ineffective at um or like even like wing chun, like the stuff that Bruce Lee popularized is impractical as a soul martial art. So like there's some mystic mysticism around it's gone. So a lot of Hollywood people don't train a karate and stuff anymore, which is
0: kind of a shame because it's less fun. Punching is way cooler than stones. So <laughs> that's I mean. true, Melvin. That should be yeah. our merch. Um uh, when we make T shirts <laughs> punching is cooler than stones. Uh. <laughs> Let's let's have, like, complete nonsense phrases on our yeah. shirt. <laughs> <Just a> complete <laughs> word salad. Like, on the back, it's like, try and figure out what the front of my shirt means, <laughs> and it's just something so dumb. Uh, in the same interview, Dimitri Logothetis also shared some of his filmmaking background, although he didn't share to what extent he performed in Martin Scorsese's New York, New York. We can, of course, assume it's probably as an extra. He worked on set at the time when writing a short story. Now, he says that Scorsese saw the work he was doing on the short story, requested to read it, and was then impressed by it. And then he recommended Dimitri enter film school, as well as wrote him a letter of recommendation. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. It's possible, yeah. I only say that because this feels This feels like, I mean, I'm not going to say it's disingenuous, but it's like, it's so specific and strange. And then also seeing this film, it's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, well, Anecdotal. So- it's, it's anecdotal. anecdotal.
1: <laughs> so it's cute. It's it's a very cute story. And I want to believe it. And the part of the reason why is because I can imagine Scorsese does this for lots of people.
0: Yeah, he's a nice guy. You yeah. watch his interviews and he's just such a genuine person. It, it, I wouldn't believe it if
1: he was like, yeah. And then he let me look at the script. I did an uncredited rewrite. And then I got to work on <laughs> second year. You know, you know, that yeah. would be like, OK, whatever. But like Scorsese sees a guy's being creative and goes, you should go to film school like that i could just but like what we don't know is he did that for 50 other people on set or you just writing all these recommendations right. and, and also like
0: 30 years ago 40 years ago at this point because right. what new york new york's like 1983 or something so yeah <laughs> yeah it might turn out that he just has like a like a
1: form letter he submits to schools and just changes the name <laughs> that's cute my, one of my professors did that he just writes a general recommendation letter and then when kids ask him He'll just change the name of the school and stuff.
0: Some people will even say, write your own recommendation letter, and then I'll just read it. And if I sign it off, it just means I agree with what you wrote about yourself. So, <laughs> so it could be one of those two. <laughs> I guess the only other trivia would literally be there's only 30 seconds or like the specific amount of jujitsu in jujitsu. There's, there's four instances. There is Ricardo. What's his name? I have his name here. Ricardo
1: uh, Machado. He there's a scene where Brax fights two guys at once and then he does thirty seconds of grappling where he gets the guy in like an arm bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Nick Cage goes for a heel hook in his fight. So that happens. I saw
0: that. That's right. He yeah. Was, yeah.
1: Jake does a triangle choke and then an arm bar from his back. And that is all the jujitsu in the movie. Jake also does a Hurricane Rana, which is a wrestling move. <laughs> like Rey Mysterio would do, which was hilarious. So the best piece of trivia is the fact this is, quote unquote, based on a comic book. Did you look into that at all?
0: It's based on a comic book, but then it's like by the same author <laughs> it's by the people the, or the, the writer movie. who wrote this. And it's a short comic book. So it's sort of the equivalent of like, that's the outline they just outlined with a comic book <laughs> instead of like storyboards just... and called it a <laughs> but comic yeah book. and they just called it a comic book so it's it's cute well that's that's a thing people do like do you remember at cowboys versus aliens john favreau the john favreau movie isn't that what like wasn't that a passion project too he was like i really wanted to do this for years or something i can't remember yeah so it's like produced by steven spielberg directed by john favreau has this like insanely star-studded cast daniel craig during his hu- like the pinnacle of daniel craig's career because he just did like two bond films i think or something yeah. so it was sam like- Brock was in the movie harrison ford is in it, it
1: as a grumpy cowboy which i assume they just followed him around in real life with a camera and spliced into the movie yeah but apparently it says like oh based on a comic and they just made a comic so they could claim the movie was based on a comic like it really felt kind of like that where do you remember that movie i'm number four yeah where like that came out of there's a you've and i think you've actually worked for companies like this where it's just like a factory for books where they have like a general pen name and they give a bunch of authors writing and they're given strict outlines of what to write so i have a friend who's done stuff like that yeah
0: they they basically say write this and then you just every three months you're putting out a new book because they're saying this is what's this is what our data and metrics are telling us sells And then they produce it through or distribute it through like Amazon. And most of them don't get a hardcover copy. So, yeah. So like the guy who wrote that book, Uh, A Million Little Pieces, where it turns out he made up
1: his own life story. I don't know if you remember that whole fallout where he wrote a memoir claiming to have gone to like a psych hospital and met a girl and all that stuff. Turns out he made it all up. He started like a publishing company like that. Specifically made to make young adult stories that would take Mm -hmm. off kind of like Twilight books. and also with the intent to make them into franchises and that movie i'm number four is based on one of those books so it's this whole cynical thing where it was like a company made by a liar meant to just produce hits to make movies made a movie and then no one liked it so i don't think but that's kind of the vibe i got where it's like oh yeah we made a comic let's make this into a movie and it's just like yeah, it's like a short comic they made to adapt into a movie, which they're hoping that this would become a franchise. I saw they're that. hoping that this yeah. movie would spawn a whole franchise, which I just hope to God doesn't happen.
0: So... Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. There's no way it would work. So so it goes.
1: So it goes. So Melvin, what is the next section
0: so we're moving into our uh in-depth discussion is what it's titled but that's oh my just gosh the template. uh it just means we're going into spoilers of which there's only one and uh by what i'm assuming will be only a few more minutes of talking about this movie there's really not much <laughs> to dig into it's not like this movie just solved um geopolitical race relations or something. It's This is not the first trumpet sound of the coming of Christ, a return of Christ. So uh, there's not a lot here. But we are moving into the, I guess, what we call spoilers. But you can tell by our voice that we're just going to jump right into this because we're not worried about ruining your experience. Let me build it up. Do you want me to build it up? <laughs> what is there to build up? They didn't even build it up in the movie. <laughs> well,
1: like, it revolves around a single person, Melvin, uh, a man named Nicolas Cage, where... Like I mentioned, 30 minutes of the movie, he finally shows up and he's like a kooky hermit who makes paper hats and he does backflips. And so he has this bizarre scene where he says a bunch of Nick Cagey things to our main character. And then the rest of the cast shows up. And for a brief moment, I thought it was going to be a thing where Nick Cage is in this guy's imagination because the editing of the scene is so bizarre where, like, the characters are clearly like, Nick Cage is clearly not in the same room as them. And I thought that was an intentional decision by the filmmaker. Yeah. Like, I thought they were purposely making it obvious to some people that he's not there with the characters. And it turns out Nick Cage just wasn't there for the same day of filming, I guess, because then he just follows him around the rest of the movie and people talk to him. But so the whole movie, Nick Cage is talking to the characters. And I wouldn't say he's a pronounced interest in Jake. But he does have like a Yoda like relationship with Jake where he's given him advice, which to normal people, you read it as this guy wants this guy to beat the alien because he doesn't want the world to be destroyed. Right. But then uh, Nick Cage has this awesome sword fight scene where he fights the alien with the sword and alien even shows him respect by like. Nick Cage falls down, and he picks up a sword, and gives it back to Cage, so you keep fighting him and then Nick Cage's character survives a fight and then a problem in the movie is that scenes just end and then characters aren't seen for a minute like 15 minutes and then they show up again so i can't tell people have died or not like i thought tony jah was dead at one point and he just shows up back up in the movie <laughs> yes
0: yeah and he gives like an approving nod or no a grunt and it's very <laughs> anime like where like he doesn't say anything except go like mm. and you're and, uh, like oh okay and, like that's his character <laughs> oh good he's not dead i guess i went for
1: sequels um but like eventually nick cage's character dies and then Melvin, I'll let you take it from here.
0: <laughs> I cheered <laughs> I cheered because then they go back to some place and the Juju Chan's character goes, He was your dad! <laughs> like i'm like oh my gosh and i put my arms up and Catherine wakes up because she fell asleep and she goes oh my god i missed something what happened and I'm the like, only
1: thing happened
0: like i'm so happy right now nick cage was his dad and she's like oh okay That she fell back asleep because this movie's boring and nothing happens
1: my wife fell asleep during this movie too so there you go <laughs>
0: So if you're if your wife is just stressed and she needs to take you, you want her to take it out because that's the way that as Christ, you could love your wife. Put this movie on and you'll she'll get the best sleep of her life. It's it's I really wish there's more to talk about
1: because a that we, we do a show where we talk about movies. But also this movie is a video game. Like I had this thought watching it where you get a cut scene that you don't pay attention to and then you fight a bunch of enemies. And you get another cut scene like that is the format of this movie.
0: And there is an in the same. I didn't put this in, but the same interview with Dimitri Logothetis said, like, he wants to make it like a video game and he hopes video game fans like it. But it just doesn't it doesn't work like it does that. First off, video games are made or bro are are basically make or break it when it comes to their camera control. And this movie does not have good camera control. <laughs> if he wants to make a good video game, he needs to let the camera stay a bit far away so I can focus on what's going on and press Y for counter when I need to. And they just couldn't because I don't know who, who did the camera work for this movie, man. He just was having like, I don't know. It was just frustrating, man. But there is a one question, which most people listening to this episode will care about, which
1: I, you know, obviously as a martial arts fan I, that's the thing I was the most interested in, but 90% of people that click on this will only have one question and we've made them wait for so long, which is how is Nicholas Cage this movie? Because that's what people want to know. They're, they're here for the Nick cage, man. Yeah. And uh, like I said, he's, it, he's not in a lot of this movie. He's in more of it than I thought he would be where it's a funny thing where like, he is the biggest part of the poster and the second biggest person on the poster is Tony Shaw, And then poor Alan Mousy, who's the actual star of the movie, is in like the bottom corner of the poster. Yeah. But uh, Nick Cage is a sporting actor in this film. And he's OK. You know, it's not like total phoned in performance. Uh, We know, like in he never Left Behind. It in. Let's
0: be real. He never well, phones it in. Did you see the Left Behind movie? He's No, in? I didn't see that.
1: Did he phone it in for that? He's so bad. He's in one. He's in a seat the whole movie. He's the pilot of the plane, so he's just sitting in the cockpit for like the entire movie. Same facial expression, not reading any line, like barely doing anything. And there's a couple of movies. Well,
0: like how that. are the performances for everyone else? Because if a director knows Nicolas Cage and uses him well, then typically he he does well. <laughs> I mean, he's he's director dependent. If he has a bad director, he he's not going to be. <laughs> He's not going to do well.
1: I could definitely see
0: that. But but yeah, so
1: it's like mid-level Cage where he's having fun. He's the best actor in the movie by a very wide margin simply by virtue of you feel like he's the only character in the movie. Right. Where he has traits, he's quirks. He is Nick Cage, which does a lot in a movie like this. And I want to say like, I'm tired of his Nick Cage slander out there, where people like to say he's a bad actor and they like to say that he's just goofy and overreacts and whatever. I love Nick Cage, like unironically. I'm not one of those people who ironically enjoys him and thinks he's bad, he's good because he's bad. I think he's a really great actor. I love this recent turn where he's in lots of B movies, he's become like a B movie star, movies like The Color Out of Space and Mandy and those types of movies, even something like this, where no other big name actor would sign on for this. This movie's terrible. But Nick Cage was like, all right, he shows yeah. up and he gets to use a sword he's excited
0: to use his martial arts,
1: <laughs> you know, and like he's great in, in a like Roger Ebert said it best where he's in good movies. He's a great asset in bad movies. He's like indispensable or invaluable or something like that, where I love Nick Cage. I think he's great and he's OK in this. Definitely not worth the price of admission necessarily, but you get. He's in, like, 30 minutes of this movie, I'd say, overall. So it's not one of those things where he just shows up for two scenes, clearly filmed on the same day that they just splice in. He actually is in the movie. He follows the characters around. He has, like, actual scenes and conversations. And like I said, he's a sword fight with an alien. So, which I'm sure will show up on someone's, like, top 10 Nick Cage moments compilation or something at some point. Yeah. So Nick Cage, you get a decent amount of Cage. Yeah, Yeah, Watch Mojo. In one of the fifteen videos they'll put out today, top
0: ten Nick Cage freakouts.
1: <laughs> Someone quoted Watch Mojo as like an actual source. They're like, "No, dude, you understand? Like, I don't remember what it was, but it's like just look up. He's like, go to YouTube and type this in. Watch Mojo top ten, blah blah blah." And I was like. I am not doing that. That is not, <laughs> good. That, is, that is not proof
0: of whatever argument we were having in the past. So. Maybe WatchMojo is the new Wikipedia where a bunch of um, teachers are like, you can't go to WatchMojo for this paper. If you source WatchMojo, you made a mistake. You need to source the sources WatchMojo is using. That's a secret. Um, I will say that the,
1: the Wikipedia page for this movie is very clearly been edited by people involved with the movie because if you go to the reception section, it's only positive reviews even though this movie has overall negative reviews. So like the first line of the Wikipedia page is, oh, it's been, it's been slightly edited to be less obviously like positive, but it's only positive reviews in the Wikipedia page. So I think uh, Demetrio Logothetis. Toss ours is... on there.
0: We're an official publication. <laughs> Put us up on there. Melvin, writing for the Cinematic Doctrine podcast, states, This movie is hard to focus on. You will spend time thinking about other things more than thinking about the movie. (laughs) More punching, less rocks. Yeah, Yeah, more punching, less rocks. I love it. So, I mean, we both, it's very clear we didn't like this movie, but we had to talk about it because you just had to. Every year, there's always one that you have to talk about, whether it's good or bad, uh, or whether it inevitably becomes good or bad. You just have to. I guess like the next one this year, what might be, I was going to say Monster Hunter for like the necessary bad, Uh but I don't know. It's always, it's tough when you get into December because everybody holds off for Oscar season, but then like that didn't, that doesn't exist this year. So um, (laughs) unless you're a streamer, so yeah, yeah, don't watch it. It's not fun. This was probably more entertaining to listen to than the movie, and it's also going to save you more time. And that's that. Yeah, there's probably not much to it. I like kind of like the ending
1: because they kind of kill the monster in a creative way where in the movie it's established that he can heal, but you have a brief chance while he's healing. And so what they do is they cut him open, throw a grenade at him and then he heals himself over the grenade. So it blows up inside him or the main character does one final kick while screaming and kicks him back into the portal. He came from, um, which simultaneously is a good monster kill, but he leaves it open for credits Uh, I mean, sequels. Also, the last shot of the movie is the actor who plays Crab Man and My Name is Earl drinking some alcohol and making a gross face. And that's the last shot of the movie, (laughs) which is a really weird final shot for a movie. And it turns into a comic
0: panel. Oh, and then it fades away. We didn't even talk about that. They do title cards with comic panels. And like sometimes the comic comic panels have the people superimposed into it. And then other times it's an actual comic drawing but it's really cute i i thought it was cute because it looks very like deviant art it's so cute
1: (laughs) also the opening credit scene is just stills from the movie just like filtered through like a comic book filter which is an amazing low budget thing to do but yeah there really isn't anything here there's some other comment i was going to make about it which is I mean i wanted to like this movie so much because i love everything all the ingredients here are things i like i like science fiction i like fighting i like nick cage i like weird ideas put on f- film but like every idea in movie is executed so poorly the movie looks like they didn't do multiple takes because or didn't it looks like they didn't do a second round of like reshoots because the movies edited together really sloppily yeah where there's, like I said, characters will just exit scenes and then not show up for 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah, there's really not much here. It's just bad. It's kind of boring. And there's just, we just had to talk about it for some for some reason. Melvin messaged me where he was just like, I know you haven't been on the show in a while, but we're talking about this movie, right? And I was like, oh yeah, we're def talking about this movie. And we both paid to see it. We both rented it from separate people. So this movie got money out of both of us.
0: And, and we're here to tell you to not just, give it yeah, any more it's money. Just Don't not, do it. It's just not, not worth it. So it goes. That's So So it goes. Thanks so much for checking out this episode on Jiu-Jitsu. If you've seen Jiu-Jitsu, what did you think of it? If you're listening on Cinematic Doctrine's website, let us know in the comments below or shoot us an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you listen. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss in the podcast. You also gain access to The Pre-Show, a Patreon-exclusive podcast series where we casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash Doctrine. A special shout-out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherliana, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. All this will be available in the show notes. Until next time, stay cool. Once some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.